Joe Rogan, the truckers, and the collapse of the left. A quote from a planned man. Neil and Joni, if your side wins and Spotify bends the knee to your demands, it will mark peak woke and the beginning of your end. In defeat, Joe will go elsewhere and everyone with a genuinely liberal bone in their body will follow. More importantly, our present eat-me-last public posture from which you benefit mightily will crumble. Enough people will see clearly the threat you pose to open inquiry, and they will gird their loins, say enough, and start pushing back at scale. It's ironic that two aging hippies are waging a Tet Offensive of sorts against Joe Rogan. Walter Cronkite's change of mind on the war was the tipping point that changed the American mind and turned it against the Vietnam War. The attack on Joe Rogan might just mark the beginning of the end of the progressive war on free inquiry. And a quote from Jim Treacher. None of this is about the coronavirus. It's not about protecting people. It's about an entire ecosystem that has developed in our society, devoted to bringing down people who step out of line. You don't even need government censorship anymore because Democrat super PACs and social media and 24-7 news cycle are so much more efficient. Today's smear merchants work a lot faster than old Joey McCarthy ever did. Rogan will withstand it regardless. He's got more money than he could spend in 10 lifetimes and millions of fans who will follow him anywhere. He'll be fine. No, this message is for the rest of us. You see what you're doing to this guy? You want it to happen to you next? No? Then shut your mouth. The Tipping Point In every mass hysteria event throughout human history, there comes a tipping point. It's the moment you can no longer take accusations seriously and the whole thing comes crashing down. In Salem, it was when the governor's wife was accused of being a witch. During the McCarthy hearings, when members of the military were being accused, it led to this moment. Let us not assassinate this lad further, Senator. You've done enough. Have you no sense of decency, sir? At long last, have you left no sense of decency? I know this hurts you, Mr. Welch. I'll but say it may, hurts. May I say, Mr. Chairman, Mr. as a point of personal privilege, I'd like to finish this. Senator, I think it hurts you too, I'd, sir. I'd like and now, it's likely Joe Rogan as a target, along with the working-class uprisings of the Canadian truckers, public opinion is starting to change. This is the moment when everyone notices. When they took the initial accusation against Joe Rogan of spreading disinformation and pivoted to accusations of racism, that gave them away and everyone saw that the blue checks and the media fell for it was yet more proof of what an insular feedback loop it has become and just how disconnected they have become from average Americans. Joe Rogan and the Body Snatchers They look like us, they kind of act like us, but they're not here to live among us. They're here to turn us into them. They want us to think like they think, like what they like, believe what they believe. They've taken over Hollywood, they've swallowed up science, they have infiltrated education. They're not here to negotiate. You have only one option, comply or else. 
It is the evergreen college generation that now sees its mission to remove undesirables the way they tried to remove Brett Weinstein from Evergreen for having the audacity to suggest it is against the fundamental American right of free speech to absent a group from a shared space. But you're not allowed to say such things if you are a white male. It is verboten. Difference between debate and dialectic. Debate, wait a second. No, it is. Debate means you are trying to win. Dialectic means you are using disagreement to discover what is true. I am not interested in debate. I am interested only in dialectic, which does mean I listen to you and you listen to me. You don't have the email. We don't care what terms you want to speak on. This is not about you. I'm talking about this. All about him. On terms of white privilege. This is not a discussion. You have lost that one. I am talking about terms that serve the truth. Those are the terms. <laughs> We've seen so many examples of this. It has almost become the new normal. It is for people who are plugged into the news cycle and social media, but a good majority of Americans didn't quite realize the force we put into power when we elected Joe Biden, but they do now. The Rogan episode has woken up a sleeping tiger. Okay, I do not believe that students of color are targeted in the sciences here. Why? But maybe. I misunderstand what you mean by targeted. So wait a second. To me, targeted means something different than what I just heard you define it as. I do not believe that anybody on our faculty with intent specially targets. Exactly. Fuck what you gotta say. Public protest. I didn't hear you at the beginning. Your protest of day of absence. Your presence taken as a protest, if you will. That's what you said in your email. But you're not targeting black students for black students. May I answer that question? Okay. Wait a second. First of all, first of all, day of absence has been here longer than I have. I have never protested it until the idea. Until. No. Some will watch this Evergreen documentary series on YouTube made by Benjamin Boyce, who was a student at Evergreen at the time, and documented all of it, and feel that rising sense of purpose, as so many of my friends on the left do. This is their newfound religion as a good ally. They know they are either racist or anti-racist. The dirty little secret is that studies have shown white liberals change their language when they talk to black people and conservatives don't. Do white liberals see themselves as caretakers of black people and or people of color? Do they see themselves as superior and therefore feel the need to always make amends? Has that sense of guilt been carried over by the boomer generation of the 1960s counterculture when the civil rights movement exploded much the same way the woke revolution exploded in 2020? Must it now be visited upon the minds and hearts of children? They must be taught how to be racist so that they can then be anti-racist to make sure the cycle continues. Is that really the plan? It didn't end well for Evergreen in terms of ongoing success, which should give you a good idea of where all of this is going. Enrollment dropped significantly. Maybe it helped move the needle in terms of marginalized students finding their voice and power. 
But when it spiraled into witch hunts, that is when the bottom fell out. From the Wall Street Journal, it turns out that students aren't clamoring for the privilege of paying for an education in such a hostile environment. Evergreen accepts 97% of applicants, but enrollment dropped to 2,854 full-time students last fall, compared to 3,810 the semester of the protests. Enrollment increased over the same period at other Washington universities. The accusations against Rogan started out as disinformation, but considering how many times the government and media have had to backtrack on all of their strident conclusions about COVID, disinformation, it seems, is in the eye of the beholder. As John Stewart illuminates here, I think I get concerned with, well, who gets to decide what that, I mean, we, in the Iraq war, I was on the side of what you would think on the mainstream is misinformation. I was promoting what they would call misinformation. But it turned out to be right years later, and the establishment media was wrong and not. It's a matter of changing opinion and shifting sands. Bill Maher took it even further to point out how our government is guilty of spreading disinformation. But making kids who have a COVID survivability rate of 99.98% mask up like bandits? Unfortunately, the thing that's getting stolen is their education, their sanity, and their social skills. A study this week from a professor at Johns Hopkins concluded that the lockdowns we all suffered through had little impact in reducing COVID deaths. Okay, that's kind of a big one to get wrong. Last July, President Biden said, you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Well, I already knew that was wrong then, and now we all do. The former director of the CDC, Robert Redfield, believes COVID originated in a lab, and now our intelligence agencies agree it might have. Because the disinformation campaign fell flat, they pivoted to, wait for it, racism, because of course they did. A Twitter user named Wokal Distance was also curious about how it pivoted from disinformation to racism and landed on a well-funded super PAC. His tweet says, Why are they doing this and what do they have to gain? I think a clue can be found in the letter Patriot Takes wrote about all of this. Look at the highlighted part. What does that look like to you? Here is Patriot Takes' statement on Joe Rogan's apology, February 5th, 2022. This past week... Patriot Takes republished and and brought to the national spotlight dozens of recorded instances where Joe Rogan used the N-word, referred to black people as Planet of the Apes, and applauded a Nazi salute, among other despicable racist conduct. The videos have now received millions of views. This, in addition to the COVID disinformation that Joe Rogan routinely spreads, enough is enough. Joe Rogan's apology in response to our Twitter post rings hollow. Spotify undoubtedly has a moral, morals clause in its contract with Joe Rogan, which would permit his termination for cause. We call on Spotify to immediately terminate Joe Rogan. Spotify has any morals. By not terminating Joe Rogan, Spotify will make clear to the world that not only does it approve COVID disinformation, but that Spotify is an inherently racist company. We will continue our mission of publishing videos and exposing this and other conduct. This is only the tip of the iceberg. But Rogan was the wrong guy. They picked someone who is popular, but mostly popular with the blue-collar center-left. Democrats have alienated Hispanic voters, Asian voters, and now black voters. 
They've alienated parents and suburban moms. They only seem able to alienate people, not attract them. Their plan appears to be accusations of racism and fear of Trump because Trump is a racist and that will get us votes. It goes without saying that this isn't about excusing language that is offensive. It is, however, about context and intent. This is not a sustainable way forward for the country. We have to practice tolerance, kindness, and forgiveness. That no longer defines the left. The best piece on Joe Rogan is by Kat Rosenfield, writing for the New Statesman. Here is the heart of the campaign to push Rogan off Spotify. It's not about stopping misinformation, and it's not about reducing his influence. Indeed, Spotify could renege, cancel Rogan tomorrow, costing themselves $100 million, without costing him a single listener. What people really want is the symbolic satisfaction of kicking him out of the clubhouse. They had a nice place here, with good music and classy people. And here's Joe Rogan, wearing the wrong clothes, rubbing shoulders with the wrong folks, flouting the etiquette of this rarefied space, and generally stinking up the joint. It's less about politics than about class, less about disagreement than disgust, and less about what Rogan actually says than how popular he is for saying it. It's realizing that people love him, no matter how much we beg them not to. In the giant, fertile chasm between liberal and conservative media, in a vacuum of trust and authority, Joe Rogan has taken root, irreverent, curious, immune to in-group pressure, and utterly uncontrollable. Will the real cult please stand up? Democrats are comfortable calling Trump's MAGA movement a cult. They have certainty about this, and they do not have any proof beyond their own narratives around January 6th. While it's true his supporters turned up in D.C. to fight for his refusal to accept the results of the election, true that the MAGA Republicans demand that what they call rhinos adopt the America First platform or face punishment that isn't any different from the Bernie left demanding the same of the centrists. Cults are different, though. They silence dissent, demand ideological compliance, and most importantly, cultivate utopias away from the rest of the population. It's much easier to make the case that the left has become cult-like. It isn't hard to find evidence of this anywhere on the internet because it's everywhere. They remind me of the born-again Christians in the 1970s high on their newfound salvation. I teach my elementary school students about gender identity. Learning about gender identity helps children develop critical social-emotional skills such as self-awareness, social awareness, and respect. I teach my students that there's a whole spectrum of gender identities and that everyone, whatever their gender, deserves love and respect. Some people are girls, some are boys, some are both, some are neither. Gender is all about how we feel on the inside and how we express ourselves. The most important thing I teach my students is that it's our job to listen to and learn from people when they share with us who they are, and that we need to use the name and the pronouns that people ask us to use when we refer to them. Here are some of the books and tools that I found the most useful when teaching about gender identity. This bombshell piece over at the Wall Street Journal by Paul Rossi and Andrew Gutman inside the woke doctrine machine illustrates just how baked into the school system the religious fervor is on the left and how many schools now are training teachers to basically be like Evergreen. They write, In feeding yourself when you are fed up, connecting resilience with DEI work, we learn techniques such as calling out that the faculty and students can use to shut down conversations immediately by interrupting speakers and letting them know that their words and actions are unacceptable and won't be tolerated. Several workshops focus on the practice of restorative justice used to re-educate students who fall afoul of speech codes. 
The final step to ensure belonging is to push out families or faculty who question DEI work. Sometimes you got to say, maybe this is not the right school for you. I've said that a lot this year, said Victor Shen, an assistant head of school and co-chairman of the People of Color Conference. In From Pawns to Controlling the Board, Seeing BIPOC Students as Power Players in Student Programming, they didn't ask parents if they agreed with any of it. They are forcing this belief system onto all institutions of power in this country, including science and education. If I fought against religion in classrooms for most of my life, I'm still going to fight against religion in classrooms, even if people on the left believe it is the better way forward. They don't get to decide that on their own, and they don't get to throw fits if people disagree. This should be something we all debate out in the open. The first thing all cults do is separate the children from the parents. Charles Manson did this, Scientology did this, Jim Jones' utopian cult did this. They do it to indoctrinate the children. It would not be such a big deal if it wasn't so extreme all of a sudden, and if it hadn't spread to our government. They are essentially giving parents and reasonable Democrats no choice but to abandon the party, because it has so clearly become cult-like in its demands for compliance. Asra Q. Nomani's chilling piece, Why Anti-Racism Should Be Resisted, lays it out pretty well. Here is just part of it. Bigotry, meanwhile, is back on the curriculum, thanks partly to a Black Lives Matter at School campaign, which last week recommended the book Not My Idea, a book about whiteness, to children as young as six in Evanston, Skokie School District 65, outside Chicago. Whiteness is a bad deal, the book argues, it amounts to signing a contract with the devil who is illustrated with an indelicate pointy tail. Meanwhile, in an English lesson in Fairfax County, Virginia, students played a game of privilege bingo. Even military kid has been shamed as having privilege. The beauty of Martin Luther King Jr.'s America was that everyone's humanity, worth, and potential was appreciated, not undermined. Fighting racism used to mean rejecting the notion of a hierarchy of human value. But today, the morally twisted teachings of anti-racism preach that a new hierarchy of human value with whiteness at the bottom is acceptable and even evolved and progressive. Education activists seem intent on pushing the race-shaming bigotry and segregation of anti-racism. The bigger problem, other than destroying the minds and hearts of our children, is once they remake their utopia to suit their ideology, suddenly everything will look like oppression to them. If they travel to Europe, for instance, or any country that doesn't follow the strident doctrine of the left, how will they survive that? They'll be like the Amish family and Peter Weir's witness with no clue how the modern world works. People on the left now believe this country should accommodate them. But as they become increasingly sensitive and fragile, that becomes impossible. So what can we do if so many people are afraid to speak out? Well, people will start gravitating to those voices that aren't afraid. The first thing Tucker Carlson did upon hearing Rogan was being targeted as a thought criminal was to air the very clips by the very people that got Rogan almost fired. For him, it was a show of power and an example of someone who isn't afraid, even a little bit, of what they think. Joe Rogan, meanwhile, consistently turns out interesting, informative programming just by being curious, just by asking obvious questions. That's all it takes. Care about what other people are saying. Watch the world around you. Take an interest in something beyond yourself. And when he does that, they don't like it. Watch this exchange with Dr. Robert Malone, who's one of the inventors of mRNA technology. The how question of a third of the population basically being hypnotized 
and totally wrapped up in whatever Tony Fauci and the mainstream media feeds them, whatever CNN tells them is true. The answer is mass formation psychosis. When you have a society that has become decoupled from each other and has free-floating anxiety and a sense that things don't make sense, we can't understand it, and then their attention gets focused by a leader or a series of events on one small point, just like hypnosis, they literally become hypnotized and can be led anywhere. That was the interview that pushed CNN completely over the edge, not because it was false, but because it was entirely credible. Hypnotizing the public, that's our job, they said. Mass formation psychosis? Yeah, that's us. So of course they immediately set about encouraging the tech platforms to ban that interview. Dr. Malone, again, one of the inventors of mRNA technology being used in over a billion doses of vaccine currently in people's bodies, that's the man who was talking. Credible? Yeah, no one more credible than that. And that's exactly why they hated it. And that's exactly why they decided you couldn't hear it. Now that same month, it was just past December, Rogan spoke to a doctor called Peter McCullough about ivermectin. Watch this. Sanjay Gupta and the CNN correspondent. Yeah, I've there, seen that. There was no fair balance there. He parroted a talking point that our head of the National Allergy and Immunology Branch parroted. They said that there was no data for ivermectin. They said it was a horse dewormer. Now, either they knew or they should have known the 63 supportive studies and or the over 30 randomized trials. So those are facts. And if you think they're wrong, tell us how they're wrong. But why shouldn't people hear that? Why shouldn't they be allowed to? Well, because Dr. Peter McCullough, who certainly has the credentials to do it, criticized the people in charge. He mocks CNN for ignoring dozens of clinical trials, making fun of a drug that could have helped a lot of people, possibly saved lives. What do you think of that? Well, that's immoral, of course. But notice what Joe Rogan didn't do in the face of that information. He didn't call for CNN to be censored because they spread disinformation. He didn't say, we gotta pull CNN off the air, they're killing people. Because he's not for censorship. You know who's for censorship? Weak people are for censorship. I can't handle what you're throwing at me, shut up or else. That's exactly what they're saying. Strong people don't behave that way, only the weak. Everybody knows that, they can smell it. And the reason Joe Rogan's successful, because he's not weak. Why wouldn't they watch Carlson? Why wouldn't they be drawn to people who bravely stand up to the rising hysteria? Biden certainly won't. The Never Trumpers won't. Blue check Twitter won't. Dreaming the biosphere. A healthy society has a balance of liberalism, magical thinking, and conservatism, pragmatic thinking. When one side has too much power, it can lead to collapse, whereby the other side takes control. Because humans by nature want to be free to express themselves, to dissent, and to make their own choices, any utopia has two options, to loosen their grip or to tighten it. The next step when threatened, as the left is now, is authoritarianism. From the book Dreaming of the Biosphere, a letter by a disgruntled ex-hippie from the 1970s written to Modern Utopia magazine, Dear friends, I have spent over 20 years in what is now called the hippie movement, living in short-lived communes based on anarchistic freedom and long-lived communes based on religion. 
First, those communities based on freedom will inevitably fail, usually within a year. Second, those communities based on authority, particularly religious authority, often endure and survive even against vigorous opposition from the outside world. If the intentional community hopes to survive, it must be authoritarian, and if it is authoritarian, it offers no more freedom than conventional society. I am not pleased with this conclusion, but it now seems to me that the only way to be free is to be alone. It is a benefit of magical thinking to strike forth and build utopias. This is very much an American thing, an American Revolution thing, a Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin thing. It has led to wonderful achievements. Just look at everything the boomers inspired in the 1970s in movies, art, music, and investigative journalism. But unfortunately, right now, we are watching the collapse of all of it. This is not necessarily a bad thing. The time has come for the boomers to step aside and allow for new leadership to redefine where the magical thinking left will take this country next. That can happen unless it does collapse, and collapse it will. We are at the tipping point now, the fourth turning. It's all coming apart. A great example of this playing out was Biosphere 2 in the early 90s. It was a collaboration of a billionaire boomer and a cadre of magical thinkers who ran the Theater of Infinite Possibilities before they inhabited a carefully constructed second atmosphere for two years. They had high hopes for a scientific breakthrough that would allow humans to build these biospheres on other planets. Their problem was that they prioritized purity and ideology over science. Hundreds of millions of dollars were wasted. They almost suffocated to death without oxygen. They almost starved. They formed tribal alliances and turned on each other. Eventually, none other than Stephen K. Bannon was brought in to clean out the ideology and introduce practical business management. Yes, the same Steve Bannon who would lead the Tea Party populist uprising that would put Donald Trump in power was once the reasonable fixer that kept Biosphere 2 from failure. Biosphere 2 was uh, designed as an environmental lab that uh, replicated, to the degree one can replicate, uh, all the different ecosystems uh, of the Earth. And so it is a, it's been referred to in the past as a planet in a bottle. And whereas it's not a direct, uh, does not directly replicate Earth, it's the closest thing we've ever come to having all the major biomes, all the ecosystems, plant species, animals, etc. that really try to make an analog for the planet Earth. It was conservative pragmatism brought in when the magical thinking liberalism could not sustain itself. The problem from the outset was that they tried to make it yet another utopia, even if they themselves would never admit that. Had they loosened their grip a little bit in Biosphere 2, looked at the bigger picture of what they might achieve, they might not have been ejected from the project, which was completely overtaken by new management and turned into a research center. It is an interesting thing to visit, but it's not what it was built to be. Even still, some good did come out of it because there was a healthy mix of liberalism and conservatism at play. Now with Joe Rogan still facing daily attacks from Democrats online, which has to be among the stupidest things a political party has ever done, the trucker convoy is yet another example of just how out of touch the ruling class elites that run our government in Canada's are. Matt Taibbi writes, What's happening in Canada and other countries seems less about specific demands than about the general principle of being listened to. Leaders like Trudeau could likely make this thing go away, 
if they'd make even a slight gesture towards the idea that legitimate differences of opinions exist on questions like mandates, vaccine passports, surveillance tracking, lockdowns, and vaccination of children and other matters. You don't have to agree with people. Just find a way to look at them without betraying your profound regret they were ever born. The longer this convoy phenomenon goes on, the clearer it becomes that none of the leaders involved know how to do this. They're not choosing to govern without listening. They just don't know any other way. We're watching the collapse of the left in real time. This country will need fixers by the end of it, just like Biosphere 2 did. But when all is said and done, some good will come out of it. Thank you for listening to this Substack podcast. You can find more, sashastone.substack.com. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening.